All right, guys, welcome to Impact City. Guys, welcome to Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. How's everyone doing today? Come on! Let's get a round of applause for Jesus. You cannot go anywhere in history and not find someone being raised from, raised from the dead other than Jesus Christ and actually living uh, longer and then going into heaven. A lot of other people have been raised from the dead. You look at Lazarus, you look at uh, people who did not die in the Old Testament, but they actually eventually ended up dying. But Jesus ended up dying and then living and then going off and living forever. So this is an amazing day. This is what we call Resurrection Sunday, or as you hipsters say, Res Day. So Res Day is also, you want to use that terminology? Guys, we are so glad you're here at Impact City. We are like tripping now that you guys are here at Impact City. We have been busting our tails all week long. You want to talk about just, uh, we did over a thousand invites, passing them out door to door in the rain. Uh, we've been just blowing it up on social media. We've been blowing it up on Facebook. We've been blowing it up on Twitter, Instagram. We've just been going all over the place and this is just an amazing, amazing time for us in the life of our church. We're a new church plant. We're about uh, two years into this, and uh, we're just a, a, an awesome little church. I got to say, I'm, I really love it here. A uh, couple things that we believe here in Impact City. Number one is Jesus Christ. We believe in Jesus Christ. Amen? Come on. So we worship Jesus, and we worship him in, 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 very, in a very natural, very, very raw way. Uh, we're into just as, as intimate as worship as can get. And so that's what we do here. Uh, we're into uh, building community. And so we're all about community here in Impact City. We're about the people. The church is not the building. That's why we're meeting in someone else's building, because it saves us a lot of money. We can invest that money more into people. All right? So we're about the people. We're about building community. We do that in a couple of ways. One, we do that in, in what we call missional city groups. Okay? So missional city groups meet on Wednesday nights. Uh, and for now, we just have Wednesday nights. We're going to start meeting throughout the week. And those are not life groups. Those are not small groups. Diff- quick definition, a life group or a small group meets together and they kind of talk about themselves and, and their life. Missional city groups meet together. They also talk about themselves, but they have a mission to, to do. So they adopt a nonprofit or they adopt a local organization or a community that needs help and they help meet the physical and spiritual needs of that community. Our vision is that every missional city group that comes out here will one day become its own church. Amen? Because we're about expanding, we're about planting churches, not about one pastor, it's about planting churches. And so that's what we want to do. We believe that we, Corpus needs a lot more churches. And it's not about getting bigger, it's about getting smaller and more. Amen? So we're also about making disciples. Not that, not that mega churches are bad, I, I mean, I, seriously, that, that's just not our deal. But the other thing is making disciples, one-on-one growing. Making disciples is where I sit down face-to-face with you, and we talk, and we grow together. We live life together. Making disciples is living life together where it says, hey, you're going through something. Come over. Let's have dinner at my house. You're welcome to stay at my house for a few days. You're welcome to hang out with us or bring your kids over. We're going to grow together. Let's do a family vacation together. We're making disciples. We're building that, that, that believer up one-on-one on a more personal level. And then the last thing we believe is, of course, is the Bible. And we believe the Bible so well that we like to preach through it verse by verse here at Impact City Church. It's called Expo Teaching, Expositional Teaching. So right now we're currently going through the book of Mark, verse by verse. We started this back in January, and we're barely on chapter like three this week coming up into it. Taking a break from it today for Easter, though. So um, with that being said, uh, you guys have a Bible. Go ahead and open it up to... uh, 
uh, 1 Corinthians 15. That's where we're going to be spending today. If you don't own a Bible, that Bible that is on your chair, consider that our gift to you. Okay, consider that our gift to you. You can take that home. You can, you can, you don't have to worry about hiding it. You don't have to stuff it in your purse. You can, you can carry it out. It's all good. You can take that home. If you don't have a Bible, if you're one of those like new hipster type people like me that like to have an iPad, uh, open your favorite Bible app and scroll down to uh, 1 Corinthians 15. But guys, even before we get there, just as you guys are turning, I'd love for you guys to learn more about our church. I would love for you guys to know more about us. If you want more information about Impact City, you guys also got a worship folder. Y'all hold these up real quick. Everyone hold up your worship folder. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Everyone's like asleep still. So you hold up your worship folder, and inside there you have a lot of information about us. But the most important part of the worship folder is not the offering envelope. That is for our owners only uh, here at Impact City. And then we also have the connection card. So if you would, please, at some point in time throughout the service, fill out this connection card. There's a place on there uh, that you can give all your information, and then you can also circle a, uh, a, something you did today. Maybe you wanted to surrender your life to Jesus today. You want to get baptized. You want to talk about getting baptized. You want to serve at Impact City. We need lots of help here, guys. We're always looking for volunteers. Whatever it is, uh, let us know about that. And in the back, we have a prayer request. This is probably the most important part of the worship folder is the prayer request. I will personally be praying for you if you, if you write this in your... And all the, also all the uh, leadership team as well will be praying for you guys. So make sure you fill that out. And the offering is going to be coming around after service. And you can just turn that in. That could be your offering to us. So go ahead and uh, just go ahead and fill that out. Okay? You guys there at 1 Corinthians 15 already? Say, if you're there, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> if you don't have your Bibles, I also have the scripture on the wall as well. We're going to be talking about the gospel today. Of all days, the Easter Sunday, we're going to be talking about the gospel. And if you didn't know that by now, I mean, just, you know, this is, this is what we do here in Impact. So we talk about the gospel. This letter is a letter from Paul to the church in Corinth. Paul probably wrote this letter when he was spending his time and doing ministry in the, in the town of um, Ephesus, which is also another book of the Bible we're going to be talking about later on today as well. And so throughout this whole letter, you're going to find one common theme throughout this whole letter, and that is this, that the gospel is good news is the good news of what God has done for sinners. I repeat again that the gospel is the good news of what God has done for sinners. All right? All right, everyone's there? Ready? Here we go. This is verse 1, 1 Corinthians 15. It says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, and in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. And if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. Okay, so following in the footsteps of Paul, I want to do this one thing. I want to remind everyone here about the gospel. That's my goal today, is to kind of shed light on the gospel. And what I need to do to start there, we need to split the room up into two halves, okay? That doesn't mean you have to get up and walk around. You guys are like, God, I'm comfortable. I got my coffee already. So two halves, right? The first half is going to be the, the people who have, um, who have uh, been to church before. You've been to church at some point in your life. At some point in your life, you've been there. You've done that. You've been going all your life. Whether you're a pastor's kid or whether you were raised in a church. Or you're, you, maybe you had a drug problem or you were drugged to church every Sunday. Whatever it was, you're at church a lot. You've been there. In whatever case, whether you're still going or you haven't been going, you're that person that has been to church before. The other half of the room is the people who have never been to church before. Who have never, ever in their life ever stepped foot into a church building before. Okay, now for those of you who have never been to church before, your job here is easy today. 
All I ask is for you to sit back and listen. Soak it in. Take some notes if you want. Write down some questions to haggle me on on Facebook about later on after the service. Whatever it is, just soak it in and just, and just soak this in. Be a sponge, okay? Now, for those of you who have been to church, we're going to call you the has-beens, all right? Because you guys has been to church before. So you has-beens have been here before. You've been to church before. Your job is a little more complicated. I want you guys to do all of what I said to do to the non-church people, but I want you also to remember. I want you to remember something today. I want you to remember the day, the first day you heard the gospel. I want to take you back to that moment where you first met Jesus or you first heard the gospel. I want you to just remember that day. I want you guys to ask yourself these three things that Paul says in verse 2. He says, uh, now I'll remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, one which you received. So the first question that if you've been to church, if you're a husband, if you're taking notes, have I actually received the gospel? I'm like, have you actually heard the gospel? Like, did you know you can go to church all your life and never actually hear the gospel? Have you really heard the gospel? And do you know what that gospel can do for you? Do you understand that gospel? Do you get that gospel? Okay? Um, the next thing that he asks us is in which you stand. So I ask you now, have you received it one? And if you received it, do you believe it? Like, do you really believe it? Do you stand upon that gospel? Do you follow through with that gospel? Every little word of the gospel, every little word of the text, do you follow through with that gospel wholeheartedly? Another thing he says, and by which you are being saved. So are you letting it guide your life? Are you letting it actually guide your life? Are you listening to the scriptures? Are you reading the scriptures? And are you following through with everything that it says, even if it's painful, even if you don't like it? Are you letting it mold you and shape you into a better person, that person that God wants you to be? Because here's the thing. A lot of us can receive the gospel. We can say we believe the gospel, but we fall short when it comes to following the gospel. Because it's good, it's happy, and then when it starts actually asking us to do something and to be radical about it, we hold back. So those are the things I want you guys to to think about today. Those are the gospel God that Paul is talking about here. This is the good news. The word gospel means good news, and this is what Paul is talking about here. And it's important to know these things. It's important to follow the gospel. It's important to, to know that you've received the gospel. It's even important to know that you believe and stand on the gospel. It's very important to do that, and, and this is why Paul says this right here in verse 3. We're going to blow through this, by the way. I'm like speed preaching here, okay? Like, why is he talking so fast? I'm talking fast. I'm going to buy time. We have a pet rabbit named Spurgeon. Y'all know who Charles Spurgeon is? That's one of my favorite, you know, preachers of all time. We have a rabbit named Spurgeon, which I named him Spurgeon. And uh, I told the kids I'm going to raffle him off uh, to someone else because I love him. But, I mean, I already have a dog, and I'm afraid the dog's going to eat Spurgeon. So if one of you guys really wants Spurgeon, we're going to have that raffle after the service, and we'll also the raffle for the Hooks tickets. Now, when you put your name in the hat, you can get either or, so you make sure if you don't want the rabbit, say, I don't want the rabbit. So in case you get picked out, and I say, hey, you want Spurgeon, you're like, oh, man, I got to cook him now. So, <laughs> so all right, the most important thing Paul says here on verse 3, says, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. 
It's so important that Paul says it's the first importance. He doesn't even say, like, hey, by the way, how are you doing? Hey, by the way, what's going on? How's the family? How's the kids? He says, no, the first thing I need to do is I need to tell you about the gospel. I need to tell you about this, okay? Last night, Sarah, my, my wife, Sarah, she's awesome. She's amazing. She's serving in kids ministry right now. She went to the ER last night because she had an ear infection. She went to the freaking ER last night because she had an ear infection. And, she's, and she, I'm, I'm talking to her, and I'm like, babe, you know, what's going on? She's like yelling at me. I'm like, stop yelling. You don't need to yell because you're really, you know, she's like, I'm whispering to you. I'm like, no, you're yelling at me, you know, because she can't hear. And so she goes to the, over there, and, and she walks into the emergency room, and she tells the people there, she goes, guys, I need help. I need something, because listen, we're Impact City Church, and tomorrow we have Easter, and I need to tell people about the gospel. It's going to be very important nature. Just give me something to get me through today, and I'll come back Monday, and I'll get some good stuff. And they're like, man, what do you want, you know? And, and she's like, what church you go to? And she started telling about the church. She started telling me, and she says, she says, man, I shared the gospel with all the nurses and everyone there that night. So I was like the only one in the emergency room. It was important. Her ear wasn't so important as much as it was to share the gospel with the nurses and the doctors last night at the ER. How awesome is that? We have to be, that is the first importance. That's how important the gospel is, and that is why we're preaching the gospel here today. So let's continue to see. Let's figure out why it's so important. Paul says this in verse 3. He says, For I delivered you to, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. And here it goes. That Christ died for our sins in accordance to that scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance to the scriptures. And as if that's not enough to, uh, to, 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 to offer the gospel, he even offers witnesses here. He says, And he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom were still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And that's a whole other sermon. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. So what I want to do, I want to break down the gospel for you here, just like Paul did. Paul did it in four verses here, or two verses, really. To all you has-beens, I want you to remember that moment back when you first heard the gospel. When you first heard about the good news of Jesus Christ. To you first-timers, Man, just soak this up. Just soak this all up. Paul tells us this. He says that Christ died. That Christ died. We know that is Good Friday. My son goes, Dad, why is it Good Friday? Because that's a bad Friday because Jesus died. I'm like, no, no, that was a good thing that Jesus died, you know? So Christ died. Have you guys ever really thought about the process of the death of crucifixion, the whole process of crucifixion? Jesus Christ was brought before a court, and he was counted guilty uh, when he was really innocent. And they lied about that, and, they, and they, 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 they found him as guilty. And because they found him guilty, they went ahead and put him in prison for a few hours to kind of hold him over, right? And the guards started mocking him and messing with him and just jacking with him real bad. And so he had claimed that he was king of the Jews. And so what they did was they stripped him naked, and they put a rope around him just on his waist. And then they took this crown of thorns, and these thorns back in the day, the thorns of that bush were about about inch, two inches thick, and they wrapped this, these bush weeds, kind of like a bougabellia plant, you know what I mean? You've ever had bougabellia plants? They suck. And so you kind of wrap it around, and they put it on his head, and they kind of pushed it in. Medical examiners say that the, the most blood vessels are up in, the, in your head, and so when you get a cuts and scrapes on your head, now like wrestlers, they cut themselves, and they have all this blood coming out. It's because there's so much blood vessels. So, oh, there's so much blood coming down on that day. 
Then he went to be, uh, they, 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 had to, they had to draw the confession out of him. So they went and they, and they tried to do that. And what they did, they, they tied him on this rock, which was the tradition. They would chain him to this rock. And they had this thing called the flagum. And the flagum was basically this stick about this long. It had three strands of leather with either iron or they had bone or pieces of porcelain tied into the leather. And when they would whip it on the back of a prisoner, it would literally tear through the skin. Roman Jewish law said you cannot do this more than 40 times to a regular person because after 40 times, if the person died, the person who was doing the beating was actually held for murder. So as a custom, they would do 39 hits. 39 hits. All from the back of, of that, the, what they call the, cats in the, uh, the cat of nine tails. And they would whip him. And so Jesus went through all 39 lashings. And after the first couple of lashings, it just kind of breaks the skin. But probably by like the sixth or seventh lashing, you're tearing into meat and muscle. You're breaking into the nervous system. You're digging deep into that flesh. And after they beat him, after they beat him across the back and the thighs and the calves, after they beat him senseless, they went ahead and they made him carry his cross over to the place where they call Golgotha, which is the place of the skull. This cross that he was carrying, uh, some scholars believed it just to be the crossbar of the cross, which was about 110 pounds, or some people actually believe it was actually the whole cross, which is about seven to nine feet tall. So you can imagine about a 200 and some pound cross that you're having to carry, and you're strapped onto it. And as Jesus was walking through the crowd, as he was walking to Golgotha, which is about uh, half a mile away from where he was originally beaten, he fell. When you're tied on to the cross and, and you're so weak and beaten, there's no way you can even pick yourself up. So they call for someone to come help him. He had another man come carry the cross, which is just a beautiful imagery of what Christ does for us. He carries our cross for us. And then he gets to Golgotha. The Roman guards, they, they, they lay him down on the ground. They put the cross down and they, they put Jesus over the cross. And scripture says that he had nails driven through his hands. Those nails are, uh, for that time, they go through the, the it must have been about nine to ten inches long, a piece of iron. Scripture says it went through his hands. And a lot of people think that, that if the nail goes through the hand, then that's what, I mean, that's what people think. It goes through the hand. Well, I'm sorry, your poster is wrong. It actually goes through the wrist right here. Because it goes through the hand, it's just going to rip off. Imagine the weight of Jesus on a nail. Imagine your body weight on one nail. Yeah, one in each wrist, and they went through here, and it's also a very important vein that goes up through here, and that nail going right through that vein was just shocking these veins that every time that he would, that he would feel, every time that he would breathe. The other nail went through both feet. They would cross his feet and nail both through there, I guess to save money on nails. I don't know. And they picked him up and they hung him on the cross. Now the act of crucifixion is probably the most horrific, gruesome way someone has ever thought of to kill someone. When he was hanging on the cross, most people think he bled to death. That's not true. The way people died on the cross was through suffocation. You see, as you're hanging on the cross, your body is getting weaker and you start to slump down. 
And as you slump down, you're closing off your airways. You're closing off everything here. Your lungs are actually collapsing. As you're slumping down upon yourself, you can't breathe. And you start to suffocate. It's pretty jacked up. And the only way that you can take a breath is you need to pick yourself up on the nails that you're held on to, which is, of course, shocking your vein, your nervous system. And you pick yourself up to take a breath, only to be so overcome by pain that you have to slump back down. And then you start suffocating again. And this process goes on and on and on. And scholars say that Jesus went on for about six hours on the cross. After about six hours on the cross, the Roman soldiers grew impatient. And if the person wasn't dead, they would take this big rock on a stick and they would actually just kind of sledgehammer, break the person's legs so he would fall down and slump. But he could not pick himself up and he would suffocate himself. That was crucifixion. And Jesus was on the cross for six hours and he died like that. The next thing Paul tells us is that Christ was buried. He was led away into a tomb to be buried. And um, when he got into the tomb, it was also the day of the Sabbath when it started to happen. So people couldn't work on the Sabbath. So they literally just had to lay him in there real quickly. And then the tomb was sealed. And um, Herod was so freaked out that someone was going to come steal his body and start like some crazy wild rumor that he put two soldiers there to guard the, 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 the big stone that was rolled away. And he laid, into that, 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 he laid in that tomb for three days. Guys, and this is the best part that Paul tells us. He says that Christ was resurrected. This is the best part of the gospel. This is the moment where it all comes together. This is the part of the play where the hero wins. This is the part where everything happens. This is the climax of the movie, and this is the finishing act. This is where God and, and comes back as Jesus, and Jesus is resurrected from the dead. The day after the Sabbath, the women who are going to prepare the body of Jesus with the ointments and the spices go over, and the stone is rolled over. The guards have just high-tilted. They ran with their tails between their legs, and the stone is open. They look into the tomb, and it is gone. It is empty. He was risen, and that is why we're here today. Can I get an amen? Come on. That is why we're here today. And that tomb is still empty till today. You talk about other religions, you talk about people like that. Well, you know what, dude? Your God is not alive. Buddha, dead. Muhammad, dead. All those other guys, you talk about Joseph Smith, dead. I don't hate mean to offend you, but your God sucks. Agnostic, atheist, you're your own God. You're going to die one day. You suck. We all like to sit here at Impact City Church. We suck. He's awesome. Let's worship him. And as, as crude as that sounds, as crude as that sounds, that, that, that's, that, that's like the bare bones of it, guys. It's like Odd Thomas was saying. He's a realist. The reality is we've all sinned. We need a savior. He tells us this, but why is this so important to remember the gospel? Why is it so important to remember days like this? Verse 8 tells us this. It says, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. This is Paul saying that he even appeared to me. If you remember the road to Damascus, and he was Saul, Jesus appeared to him. He says, for, 
For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Saul was really jacked up. Saul was this guy who would go around and he would literally slay Christians. His job was to be an executioner and murder Christians. He would literally go into churches and secret churches throughout the, the, the area of the nation. He would slay all the, all the people of the church, all the Christians. Jesus came up to Paul one day and appeared to him, blinded him with some light and just kind of changed his life and changed his name from Saul to Paul. That's why he's writing now. An amazing, amazing act of love. And well, why does he do this to us? Why does God do this to us? And many of us have this concept of this, this puppet master God that just likes to control us, that just makes us do what he wants us to do. No, that's, that's not true. It says this, says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace towards me was not in vain. Paul is saying here that, that, that the reason he is who he is, the reason he is not a murderous, uh, you know, a vicious, evil person, because he was that, the reason he was not that is because God had grace upon him. God came for the least and for the unwanted and the unworthy. God came for all of us. The funny thing about grace is that it's often confused with the word mercy. You guys know that? Ever heard of grace and mercy? Let me just kind of do a quick definition. Grace, I'm sorry, mercy is this. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Not getting what you deserve. So, so let's say you're, you're speeding and you're, you're going like 90 and a 45, which I've done. And so the cop pulls you over, a state trooper pulls you over, right? And he's like, hey, man, I like your hair, bro. So, uh, you, know, I, you know, you're a Cowboys fan, you know, uh, you know, I'm a Cowboys fan too, whatever. I'm going to just let you slide on this one, man. It's just slide. You know, or, or what if you like actually messed up with, what if you, were, if you were driving home and you were drunk or something like that and you hit someone, you murdered someone, you killed someone, you had manslaughter? And the judge is like, man, dude, man, just forget this, man. You know what? Hey, you're sorry, right? You're sorry? It's okay. It's okay. Don't cry. You know, like that is, uh, that is unjust, but it's also grace. That's grace. Like when I leave the cap off the toothpaste, my wife doesn't get mad at me. That's grace. Amen? Guys, tell me the truth. That is grace, right? That's why that's mercy. That's why that's mercy. Grace is this. Now, grace is the opposite. Grace is getting what you don't deserve, which is beautiful. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. You scratch a lottery ticket, didn't win. You go turn it in, the guy says, eh, 100 grand, here you go. That's grace. Grace would be the cop saying, hey, man, not only are you not going to get the ticket, I'm going to go fill your tank up because you've been burning that gas up pretty fast going 90, bro. And, man, I'm going to go fill that tank up for you, man. That is grace. If you guys would please turn to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 tells us this. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, in the spirit of is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and in the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. 
Ladies and gentlemen, church here today, what Paul is talking about here is the sins of mankind. We all sin. We all sin. We all mess up. We all have some type of moral failure in life. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. The word all back in the Greek literally means all. So what does that look like? Like when we all sin, what, is that, what, what, is that, what does that look like? Many of you has-beens, you've been going to church for a while. And you has-beens have, have been around church culture. And you know what's the number one thing that most churches require? They want you to dress nice. And you walk in, you're like, hi, how's it going? Hi, good to see you. God bless you. When, seconds later, you're like yelling at your wife to hurry up. Put your makeup on, you know, like, come on, kids, and leave the football there. You know, like, you're just, put the cat down, you know, like, kill the cat. You know, and we don't like cats, you know. And so, and so and, you're, and, you're, and you're rushing, right? And you get to church, you're like, hi, good to see you. God bless you. What would Jesus do, you know? And you're saying all these things like that, right? And so you look kind of dressed up. You're like, man, Felix is kind of dressed up today. Have you been to Impact City? I don't usually dress like this, right? And you're like, man, Felix is kind of dressed up. You're like, man, everyone here at church is all dressed up all the time and looking nice. And we have all these masks that we wear. Welcome to the masquerade is what we say. And we have all these masks. But what if we actually wore our sins on the outside? What if people really saw that? And so we have these masks. And, and, but if we were to just peel away the layers of sin... In our life, we just kind of peel them away. We might look something like this. If we were to peel away our sins, we'd have stuff like this on. These are sins that we have. These are my sins. These are my personal sins. These might not be your personal sins. These are mine. A jerk. Some of us struggle with making fun of people. Maybe, maybe, maybe we, 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 we're self-conscious or we've been raised a certain way. Dare I say the word racist in a way? Because we've been just stuck with that. Some of us can be jerks to people. We can make fun of people. Greed. We got to make enough money. We got to make, we got to work more overtime. We got to keep going. We got to keep, we got to keep pushing through. Greed. Anger. You ever punched through a wall? Because I have. You ever been so ticked off at someone you just punched through a wall? You've been so ticked off that you yell and you say things that you don't mean to? Anger, rage. Liar. <laughs> How many of you guys lie? And the rest of you are liars too. And so, <laughs> liar. Idols. How many of you guys like the cowboys? That's a bad idol to like. Forget cowboys. How about you guys love your cars? You love your car, you love your truck, and you're, like, you're obsessed with it. But you're spending more time with your car than you are with Jesus. Or you're spending more time with your PlayStation or your Xbox with Jesus. Or you're spending more time with, with, with this or that. Or maybe you're addicted to something. Maybe, maybe you're an addict of something. Ego. Maybe you just got this ship on, on your shoulder. And you just think you're the best. And maybe you walk into the church, you're like, all your sinners, look at me. You know, like, you have no sense of, of, of shame or anything about the things you do, you think you're perfect. You're really not. Covet. Maybe you don't have a car, but you're like, I really like my neighbor's car. Oh, that vet. Oh, my gosh. There's a guy at work that has a killer vet. I love it. Um, I, I get shiny stuff syndrome when I see it. 
but I covet. That, that, that's sinful. That's wickedness in your heart. That's sinful to, to crave something so much that you lose that, that you, you focus on what matters most. Hate. Maybe you hate things. Uh-oh. What about this one? Lust. How many of you guys lust? How many of you guys struggle with that? There's so many things in this life that, that people can overcome. And I want to say people have overcome drug addictions and alcohol addictions. But I want to say that the biggest struggle in our life is lust. When you know it's wrong. You know it's wrong to be living with that person. You know it's wrong to be alone with that person. You know it's wrong to be lusting after that person. But yet you still do it because it's so easy not to. Lust. Guys, these are struggles. These are pains. You know what? It's okay. We struggle. That's why we have community. That's why we hold each other accountable. That's why we lift each other up. We talked the last week that when we sin, we're not supposed to be knocked down by the enemy. We're supposed to be lifted up by the grace of God, by the mercy of God. These are our sins. But because we've sinned like this, because we have these sins on us, because we have this moment of weakness where we, where we just give in to temptation, where we give in to our pleasures and our, our, our minds and our hatred and our hate, because we have these things, we're accountable for those things to God. We're accountable for those things. And if you don't believe it, that's fine. You're going to have a big surprise one day. You're accountable to these things to God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is in eternal life, Christ Jesus our Lord. The first part says, for the wages of sin is death. That sucks for us. But the gift of God, it says this, it says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That gift is mercy and grace. If we keep reading on, in verse 4 of Ephesians 2 says, but God, which I love that, by the way. All these things are going wrong in your life. You're called the children of wrath. You're living by desires of your flesh. You're doing all these bad things, but God. <laughs> as if like it, it's, it's like, oh, this is bad, but listen, don't worry, but God. But God's got something different. God's got something better for you. God's got a plan for you. God's got something going on here. It says, but God being rich in mercy. You know what rich in mercy means? Rich in mercy means it's never going to run out. It means he has a lot of patience with you. That means you can screw up a lot and he's still going to love you a lot. Rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God loved the world. That's John three sixteen. In verse 5 it says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. So he's saying because we were sinful, we were already dead. We were already condemned. We were already messed up, okay? But God comes in and he shows us mercy and love and he's lavishes that mercy with us and continuing verse 5 together with Christ by grace you've been saved so remember what mercy was mercy was was getting something um, not getting what you deserve so the mercy of God is not getting the death that we deserve and we all are accountable we read that earlier the grace of God is getting what we don't deserve which is the amazing love of Jesus Christ here today Verse 6, by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him to be seated with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places 
Christ Jesus. The only place where grace and mercy collide is the place where love and death collide, and that's the cross. The place where mercy and grace collide is the same place where death and love collide, and that is the cross. That's why we're here today. Because upon that cross, when Christ was dying, when he was going through the crucifixion, he literally became sin. The Bible says that he became sin who had no sin. He became every sin. He became every moment of anger, every moment of greed, all the jerks in the world, all the lustful people in the world, every, every covetal, everything that you have, he became. And when he was on the cross, God looked upon him, and he literally destroyed that sin of the world upon the cross, who is now taken up into his son, Jesus Christ. And he covered our sin with love. And he covered our sin with immeasurable love. He covered it with the love of the cross. So we don't have to look like this, people. We don't have to look like this every day. We don't have to walk around and carry our sins. We don't have to look and, and, and be sinful around the people. Because when you're covered by the grace of God, you look like this. Jesus covers your sin. I don't know how else to tell you this today. If, if you're a has-been and you've been to church before, come back to this. Don't let anything stand in your way. Jump over every barrier to be here, to love others, to be in that, in, in that moment with Jesus, to, to just, just be there. And if you're not a Christian, if you've never been to church before, and you're like, this stuff is crazy, I don't know, man. Don't be the one thing that's holding you back from Jesus. Quit fighting it. One day, your best excuses will be your worst mistakes. So I want to give you guys a chance to do that. This is the resurrection that we're celebrating today. This is what it's about. Jesus Christ coming to the world, taking our sin, dying on the cross, and pouring out lavishing grace and mercy and love on us. Let's pray. Father God, as, as we're here today with a heavy head bowed and eye closed, now I just want to welcome everyone here today and give everyone here a chance to just know you, Lord. And maybe we're here today and we've been to church before and, and it's just never, it, it's, it's just never clicked like it did today or maybe you've never been to church before and you know you need this. Maybe your best excuses are now starting to turn into some of your worst mistakes. And you know you need right. It is not by chance that you are here today. It is not by chance. Maybe you're a CEO, you're a Christmas and Easter only Christian. Well, that's okay, because you're here now, that's what matters. Make the choice today to move forward with your life in Jesus. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, say, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. You just say this to me. Say, at your seat, say, Father, I'm a sinner. I've messed up royally at times. God, I know that my sins 
require death as payment, but I acknowledge the fact that your son, Jesus Christ, went to the cross and absorbed that death for me so that I can have eternal life with him in Christ Jesus, so I can have forgiveness and grace. God, I want to worship you. And I know that this is not the, the start. This is not the end of anything. This is just the start. And you may not be perfect tomorrow, brother, but I'll tell you right now, if you just make that commitment today to start following Jesus, you will become perfect eventually. You will become perfect in the eyes of Christ or through the blood of Christ. And that's you today. Would you just, with every head bowed, no one looking, would you just please raise your hand? Let us know, God. Let us know I've been running too long. I've been running way too long, God. Thank you. Amen. Amen. I've been running way too long. God, we honor you and we praise you. We thank you for the cross and we thank you for what you have brought to us. It's in Jesus' name we humbly pray. Amen.